of life in prison is in so many ways you know, similar to what we're all experiencing now. As we're in our homes, isolated in that way, how will we look back on this critical time and what will we say about our leadership and the way we as an organization or as a community or as a network uh, manage through this? From Bridger Media, it's Leading Through a Pandemic, a limited series production. I'm your host, Allison Bajacharya. In this series, we get to talk to some everyday people who are work heroes, leading organizations that are serving historically marginalized communities through some crazy challenging decisions during this pandemic. We'll learn how they're approaching choppy waters and how they identify a North Star in a time that is so dark and stormy. John Valverde is a friend and source of immense inspiration. He was incarcerated at the age of 21 for 16 years. During that time and since, he has been an incredible advocate for youth and people impacted by the criminal justice system. I thought our listeners today would enjoy hearing from him because in spite of all these challenges, he is grounded, hopeful, and thoughtful about what's possible in our world. I spoke with him in early April, a month into the pandemic. My name is John Valverde. I live in Waltham, Massachusetts, and I'm president and CEO of YouthBuild USA, which is the network manager and support center for about 300 YouthBuild programs around the world. And YouthBuild is a model that works with 16 to 24-year-olds who are out of school and out of work that incorporates five elements, education, vocational or career training, service to the community, life skills, and leadership development. We primarily work with low-income young people. Over 95% uh, were born into poverty. And we support them in learning to believe in themselves, realize the skills that they have developed over the years, the result of their lived experience, and support them in developing the mindsets that they're going to need to be successful and have impact in the world. So I want to talk to you today because I think the, the work you all are doing is always relevant. And while the work you were doing six weeks ago was incredibly important, it takes on a whole new element of relevance today as our underserved communities, I think, are most impacted by the pandemic. Uh, and nonprofit organizations are also most impacted. And so I'm curious... You know, what were some of the biggest challenges you were facing six weeks ago? And then let's compare those to, to what's happening now today. Yeah, it's so interesting. Uh, you know, the major challenges six weeks ago were about how we were engaging our staff on creating a North Star type of document or how we were working with them to ensure that our revised values would be socialized in the organization and then the other thing I would say six weeks ago, we were excited about uh, our rebrand and sneak peeking it to our staff, our brand new logo and our messaging, and then sneak peeking it to the field of youth build programs uh, around the world. Those were like the big pressing items before us that you know we were engaged in and 
yeah, things changed. Well, and to be clear, those are pressing items, and I could see why they were very pressing, especially when you're running an organization, you know, that's medium to large size in so many different locations. And I know a big piece of the work you were doing was around creating more consistency about what youth build looks like in each region. And so those values um, and that song sheet were so important. But it's also easy to sort of laugh at and jest right now because the the gravity of the weight we're feeling is is so real in light of this pandemic. So let's fast forward to today and what are some of the what are some of the challenges you're facing now? Well, we we did start our work from home uh, approach a couple of days before even the governor or mayor here in Boston, Massachusetts shut down the schools. So we were a little bit ahead and had done a practice work from home day to make sure folks had their passwords, their laptops, everything that they would need from home. And we were back in the office only one day before we just started working from home. And we've been working from home since then. So obviously there's a lot of challenges that come with that alone as, as teams can no longer work together. The other piece would be, I didn't mention it, but tied to the rebrand, which is our first rebrand in our history in 42 years, we're also moving to a new office for the first time in almost 30 years. And of course, it's rare that you're going to have two elements like that converging. So we were going to do a ribbon cutting and a rebrand launch on the same day, uh, definitely other areas of the organization are, are impacted as well, both strategic plan-wise, of course, budget-wise, as we worry about what fundraising will look like in a year like this. And fortunately, we, we did have a conservative budget this year, and we're focused on the rebrand and the move uh, more than, than other elements. But we are advancing our strategic plan and kind of had to put elements of that on hold. Uh, in the past week, we've been pursuing the SBA Paycheck Protection Program uh, loan and the ap- application process that seemed to change every day. A new document was needed. So there's so much of that going on. And it's, it's also what it means to be a leader during a typhoon, I think, is my preferred uh, uh, image of what we're going through. And while we manage our own anxiety and fear and grief that we're all experiencing, uh, we also need to model the calm and model the the leadership uh, that we need uh, at this critical time in our history as an organization. Today, I feel uh, that we can journey through this and get to the other side together. Uh, you know, one thing that we did that we've never really done, even as a support center or network manager, we utilize Zoom to just create a space for our field to connect. Mm. Out of a, a, a commitment to community connection and communication, we just said, We're going to create a space. There'll be 300 slots on Zoom available. And we just want 
programs to come together, share resources and strategies about how they're managing through COVID. But we're recording them, we're capturing all the resources in the chat and creating uh, resource guides for our field to share. And it's amazing to see how folks are innovating and our young people are in very vulnerable situations. And, you know, case management was always a challenge uh, before this, but wow, they're amazing. Our alumni have stepped up and hosted their own version of a Zoom call and encouraging their, their, their fellow graduates. Uh, it's just been incredible to see how the field has stuck together. It's so important right now to keep present for all of us. Now, how will we look back on this critical time and what will we say about our leadership and the way we as an organization or as a community or as a network uh, manage through this? And I'm really grateful that today I feel like we'll be able to say we stayed calm in the typhoon <laughs> or storm, that we uh, learned so much and stuck together, uh, that we were stronger when we came through to the other side and that we you know, are ready to move forward in, in a new way in connection with young people and the way we think about equity and justice uh, for young people in the communities that, that they live in, we live in. I hear your calm and I feel your calm. And so I just want to share that because I also heard you say, you know, as a leader, it's so important to embody and exude that. Can you share one or two innovative strategies that you've heard from the field? How are people staying connected to their students or, or something that, that gives you that inspiration and hope? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, the create creativity around uh, making sure that young people had access to computers, for example, or technology so that they could stay connected. You know, there's always this idea that, oh, if you give, our young people iPads, for example, you'll never see those again. Well, I just love the fact that that wasn't even a consideration. It's like, so what if we never see them again, uh, uh, the tablets or whatever, so what? Right now it's about our commitment to our young people and making sure that they can stay connected and continue to learn and grow. And so we've had several programs that took every laptop every tablet they had in the office and delivered them to uh, the homes uh, of the young people to make sure that they have a way to stay connected and in touch. You know, you are someone who's navigated a lot of uncertainty really well, and I think found strength in those times. What is some advice or some reflections you might share on how others could similarly look inwards and find strength when there's just so much that looks bleak outside? You know, it's, uh, as you know, I'm formally incarcerated and I, I served 16 years in, in prison when I was from the age of about 21 to 38 or so. I, I was in prison. I'm 50 now. And I just read something yesterday, Allison, uh, an article about a young man who's now home, you know, served a significant amount of time, 
and he was asked about what it's like to be sheltered in place now in New York City. And he said, I gratefully wash my hands with warm water for 20 seconds and remember the days I never had hot water and wasn't sure I was going to have soap to be able to wash my hands. Mm. And I'm just reminded of what it was like to be inside for 16 years. And I feel, I feel for, for everyone who's incarcerated right now because there much, there must be just tremendous fear and anxiety because social distancing in a cell block of 800 people, rows and rows of cells and tears with no access to fresh air. I mean, it's just a breeding ground for, for the virus. And no matter how healthy you are, to be in that kind of situation has to be so frightening. Uh, I don't even know what other word to, to share. And so, you know, life in prison is in so many ways, you know, similar to what we're all experiencing now as we're in our homes, isolated in that way, all of us dealing with it differently. So it's so clear to you know, be grounded in our values, remember who we are and, and what we stand for, know the meaning and purpose that, that we were called to as, as human beings, as leaders, stay grounded in faith you know, and, and pray and, and do those things that keep you centered, breathe. I think uh, you appreciate this, Allison, this element of self-care when we're holding and carrying and absorbing, in many cases, the anxiety of, of others, how much more important it is to uh, take care of ourselves. So I, I think that was an important lesson that I learned as well, that it's, it's serving me now. And I'm grateful that, you know, I, I learned to exercise in a you know, six by nine foot self for so many years and that I still have that practice now and, and can do some push-ups here in, in, in the bedroom and stay, stay active, uh, physically active in those ways. You know, I want to share a, a poem that I had on the wall in, in my cell in prison. And the name of it is uh, The Moments of My High Resolve from Howard Thurman. And there's a line that I've always kept on the wall and I still have on my vision board here at home. It says, keep fresh before me the moments of my high resolve, that in fair weather or in foul, in good times or in tempest, in the days when the darkness and the foe are nameless or familiar, and I may not forget that to which my life is committed. Keep fresh before me the moments of my high resolve. And I, I had that on my wall for you know, 16 years, and it's still on my wall today, uh, you know, uh, another 12 years later after that. And so you know, I think it's just so important at this time to, to always remember who you are, know that you've overcome many things in your life already, that you actually know more and have more skills and have more resilience than we often realize and then just if you can think about others and 
that has seemed to work for me, that almost like putting up our suffering as a prayer for others has allowed me to remain focused on what I need to do as a leader. The parallels of having survived uh, 16 years in prison and what we're dealing with now are, are there, they're real. And I think we do know what we need to do to get to the other side of this. And it's so important that we do it together. That was John Valverde, CEO of Youth Build, a friend and source of immense inspiration. Stay tuned for next week when we get to speak with another friend, Meg Ansara, former Battleground States Director for Hillary Clinton, who happened to have her third child six weeks before the election. Thank you, listeners. Stay safe and be well. Well,